Sentire Media. Hello you, you're listening to A History of Italy. Episode 154, Trentino Alto Adige, up to the year 1509. I would like to make a special unusual dedication of this episode about her homeland to listener and friend, Amanda D., who is going through a struggle at the moment. Amanda, may you fight with the spirit of the farmers of the rustic war of Trentino you so admire. In our continued touring of Italy, we have not often gone further north than the Duchy of Milan, except, of course, to visit with the Holy Roman Emperors. There is, however, a part of modern-day Italy a region we Italians go to when we want to have a nice walk in beautiful mountains, do a little bit of skiing, or, in my case, falling on your bottom, or experience wine and cuisine that has an interesting mix of Italian and Germanic flavour to it. That region is known today as Trentino Alto Adige, Alto Adige, or High Adige River, being the name we give to the northernmost part in Italy, while it is known as Sud-Tirol in German. The area hasn't really figured in our story so far, except for implicitly being an important passage from Italy into Austria. But it will become rather important, especially during the 19th century process of Italian unification known as Risorgimento. Indeed, in many cities in Italy, you will find streets or squares called Trento and Trieste, even as far south as Naples, reminding us of the desire to bring those two cities under the dominion of the Kingdom of Italy, which only came about after World War I. When we use the term region, we can refer to a general geographical area but also specifically to one of the 20 political entities in Italy known as Regioni, which have their own elected governments and some independence from the central government on matters such as school, roads, construction and healthcare. The 20 regions are Sardinia, Sicily, Calabria, Basilicata, Puglia, Molise, Campania, Lazio, Abruzzo, Umbria, Tuscany, Marche, Emilia-Romagna, Liguria, Valle d'Aosta, Piedmont, Lombardy, Veneto, Friuli, Venezia, Giulia, and, of course, Trentino, Alto Adige. There will be a quiz. I can only assume that some of those were translated due to the fact that they are more well-known to the English-speaking world, but if anybody does know why four or five have been translated and the other haven't, please let me know. The region of Trentino Alto Adige is one of those with a special statute, allowing even greater independence on certain matters pertaining to taxes and public spending. The region borders with Austria to the north, Switzerland and Lombardy to the west, and Lombardy and Veneto to the south and Veneto to the east. 
the beautiful Garda Lake dips its northernmost part into the Trentino area with its eastern shore in Veneto and its western shore in Lombardy, respectively Verona and Brescia provinces. Trentino is made up of only two provinces, those of Trento and Bolzano, Bolzen. If you visit the lovely medieval city of Trento, you will more likely hear Italian spoken, while if you head further north up to the smaller yet still pretty Bolzano, you may have to brush up on your German a bit, although you can get by with Italian as well. We did. The Trentino area went through all the moves that others in Italy did, settled in prehistoric times, with the Romans eventually making their way up there and founding the city of Trento, then Tridentium, Trident or Three Teeth. This possibly due to the presence of three rivers in the area or three tooth-like mountains. Towards the end of the imperial period is when we can place the events of an important figure for the history of Trento, Saint Vigilius. He was the third bishop of Trento and died as a missionary martyr, killed as he tried to evangelize local pagan populations in the year 400. It is in the cathedral that bears his name in Trento that the famous Council of Trent was held between 1545 and 1563 as a reaction to the Protestant Reformation. We are getting there. Then, of course, the area was part of the Ostrogoth Kingdom and then fell under the Byzantines when they defeated the Goths in the Gothic War. As we know well, after a short-lived Byzantine domination, the Lombards invaded Italy in 568, and Trento was no exception. It was the Lombards who created the Duchy of Trento, giving it a fixed territorial form. It was in particular a Lombard duke by the name of Ewin or Erwin who moved the duchy towards a greater autonomy. You will remember that those Lombard dukes were always trying to break off from the king and do their own thing. 774 saw the end of the Lombard kingdom and Trento went from a duchy to a county under the invading Franks. So the new county of Trento went through the whole Frankish period of the Kingdom of Italy until, under the Ottonian Holy Roman Emperors, the history of the Bishop Counts of Trento started up. In particular, Holy Roman Emperor Henry II had his beef with Arduin of Ivrea, the would-be Italian king whom we spoke about quite a while back in episodes 27 and 29. Henry was helped by the Bishop of Trento, Ulderic I, who, as a reward, was made a prince. So the start of the Principality of Trento is supposedly the year 1004. Although the first official document dates to the 31st of March 1027, when Conrad II named Ulderic II Prince of the Territory of Tridentium in Brixen. So, the bishop obtained the rights to exercise all public functions such as tax collecting and administration of justice, except for the death penalty. The position entered into its full power under Gebardo, 
the Chancellor of Holy Roman Emperor Henry V. After a spat with the citizens in 1111, the Patti Ghibardini set out the relationship between the Bishop Count and his citizens. Another big name in the history of Trentino was that of Bishop Federico Vanga, who came to power in 1207 and ruled until 1217. To this day, if you visit Trento, and I do recommend you do, and you will find a tour done by me on the Voice Map app there, you can see the impressive walls that bear his name right near a really good German-style pub. Two birds with one stone. The Mura Vangiane are the walls in question, not the pub. He also made progress on an admin level, collecting up all the existing laws and codes in the Codex Vangianus. Some limitation to the power of the bishop counts meant that the counts of Tyrol to the north could encroach on their power. Indeed, there was a secularization of the principality over the 13th century, but then the bishop counts, thanks also to some lucky family connections, were back in the saddle in the first part of the 14th century. In the latter part of that same century, particularly starting in 1361, the northern Tyrol area fell increasingly under the influence of the Habsburg Dupes of Bavaria, and the southern Trento area became a vassal state to them. In 1390, the bishop prince at the time, Alberto, died and George of Liechtenstein took his place. The new bishop tried, without much success, to increase his independence from the counts of northern Tyrol. However, he mostly succeeded through a rather harsh rule and high taxes in annoying his citizens who rebelled in 1407, led by a Rodolfo Bellinzani. The bishop was forced into exile and Bellinzani was declared Capitano del Popolo, captain of the people, and a communal-style statute was promulgated. This coming about a few centuries after the whole commune business had kicked off and started to disappear further south as the communes gave way to the Signoria. The bishop, with the help of the Habsburg troops, was able to take back power in 1409 and Rodolfo Bellinzani died on the battlefield. But not in vain. Indeed, many aspects of the statutes were left in place. Things didn't go a whole lot better under the successor of George of Liechtenstein, Alexander of Mazovia, nephew to the King of Poland, who made another attempt to move the Trento area away from the Tyrol area and closer to Venice and Milan, but also managed to provoke a rebellion to his harsh rule in 1435. Once he was out of the picture, things fell into a big mess, with the emperor nominating a bishop who operated in certain areas and Pope Eugene IV and Venice, pushing for another bishop prince who would have jurisdiction in certain other areas. Now, wait a minute, you may be saying, Venice? What are they doing here? Well, it is in 1411 that certain southern parts of the Trentino area fell under the influence of the Republic of Venice, without violence, since it was due to a complicated mechanism of succession. 
The areas were in particular those around Lake Garda, and they didn't do too badly under the business-minded Venetians, who in this period introduced the silk production industry, which would bring great wealth. The expansion continued with various methods, adding bits by treaty or by force. 1439 saw Venice use their newly acquired territory for a rather spectacular feat of military engineering in which they took a fleet up the Adige River, across land, up mountains, down mountains, to get the fleet into Lake Garda to help relieve Brescia, which was under siege by the Visconti of Milan. Unfortunately, they ended up getting bottled up by a Milanese fleet which was already on the lake. Incidentally, if you visit Lake Garda and are curious about lake warfare, you will want to visit the castle in Sirmione, south of the lake, that is one of the largest walled lake ports in Europe. It was founded by the Della Scala family, whom we miss very much. The family of the Stairs, who for a time dominated Verona, before being squashed out by the Visconti of Milan and the Republic of Venice. Anyway, Venice continued their expansion despite losing to a reunited Trentino and Tirol at the Battle of Cagliano in 1487, but were eventually halted by the League of Cambrai in 1509, something we'll talk about in due time. So, we have brought the northernmost Trentino area into our story just in time to look at an event in the next century known as the Rustic Wars. We spoke about Venice, and next time it is back to the Serenissima we are heading to see what a splendid and highly dangerous 15th century they had. Grazie mille. Thank you very much for listening. In particular, I would like to thank my lovely Patreon supporters, starting today with Bruce Goodmanson, who has done a very nice review of the A History of Italy podcast over on his blog at Tactical Notebook. You can head over to tacticalnotebook.substack.com to go and have a look, or you'll find the link in the show notes. Thank you very much for that, Bruce. And, of course, thanks to the others, starting with the second half of the Margarita Hack and Galileo Galilei level, Julia, Justin, Old John in Milwaukee, Orlando, Kevin, Mark, Marxist-Leninist Sicilian, Mela, Michus Porchus, Mike, Neville, Niels, Paradise, Patrizia Cappa, Peter, Philip, Rachel, Rocco, Roberta, Rod, Rodney, Rudy, Russell, Sandra, Scott, Sean, Shelby, Stephen, and tap dance down under. And of course, we cannot forget the tippy top Maria Montessori and Dante Ligiri level Paolo, Lisa K, Andrew M, Peter W, David L, Renat, David Oak, JW Sen, David A, Karen, and Peter. Thank you, thank you, one and all. And welcome to the new Patreon supporters David, Catherine, Dennis, and Sandra, and of course the aforementioned Bruce. 
If, like them, you would like to have access to extra content, and this week we have a couple of things coming in, such as a new video, some new sketch episodes, and a news cappuccino, you can go ahead and become a Patreon over at patreon.com slash a history of Italy, or go to the A History of Italy website, which has had a bit of a clean-up, and go to the support page and click through to Patreon. If you just want to get in touch, you can go ahead and do so. Hello at ahistoryofitaly.com or once again at ahistoryofitaly.com in the contact section, you can click through to the various social media. Once again, grazie mille, thank you very, very much for listening and until next time, arrivederci. Sentire Media. Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentire Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com, that's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com, and find out how to submit your show.